G'day and welcome to The Grass is Greener. My name is Tim Henry. I'm a financial advisor in Melbourne. And every week, my guests and I dissect your everyday challenges. We'll get you clearer on your goals and give you financial tips to make it happen. If this is your first time tuning in to The Grass is Greener, make sure you subscribe to the show on your platform of choice so you'll automatically receive each episode as soon as it's released. G'day, welcome to another episode of The Grass is Greener. Great to have you along. We're continuing our chat under the theme of cost of living, but we're taking a little bit of a different tack today. We're going to be looking into the future about a really interesting and valid idea and possibly it may become a future policy uh, and it's called a universal basic income. What is a universal basic income? It is a set amount of money paid to every adult citizen, permanent resident or refugee living in a community every week to meet their basic income needs. It is by its very nature of its name, Universal Basic Income, UBI, it is universal. That is, it is paid automatically to every individual without a means test, regardless of their wealth. It is paid without conditions. That is, there's no behavioural conditions attached to receiving the money. And it's adequate. It's set at a high enough level for all citizens to meet their basic requirements. I chatted to Michael Haynes. Michael is my uncle. And Mike is part of a group called Basic Income Australia. They are developing this policy for a universal basic income. And I must say it is an extremely compelling policy. And the the outcomes that it produces and the benefits for the community are so compelling, you really have to listen to those. Uh, Mike goes through those in our chat and Basic Income Australia are actually lobbying both political parties at the moment to have this as a policy to take to the next election, the 2025 election. So fascinating, we're getting maybe getting a, a, a look into um, what this debate might actually be. And um, when I chatted to Mike about this, uh, I was really just so interested to hear about how well thought through the, the policy is and when you hear the the various benefits and how they're positioned it really does make you sit up and think wow this is genuinely something we should be considering I'm, i won't uh, continue chatting about it because i think you've just got to hear it for yourself i hope you really enjoy the chat with michael haynes If you're looking for a community of like-minded people who are going on a journey similar to you, then I invite you to join the Grass is Greener Facebook group where you can connect, share and learn from other people just like you. Here today with Michael Haynes and Mike, I'm going to um, declare up front, Mike is my uncle. How, How are you, Mike? I'm good, Tim. As I think I said to you, I, who would have thought that um, 50 years ago when I met that little baby, um, we'd be here <laughs> talking together about a UBI. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. Mike, you are doing some work with Basic Income Australia. 
and right. it's a fascinating topic and something that I know um, not only you're passionate about, but most members of that group are passionate about. And yeah. I think the the way the world's evolving, it is becoming a real uh, a real thing that we all should start learning about and understanding because I, I feel like it's it's um, something that's very much needed. But Absolutely. before we we get you to chat about the concept and the intent behind a universal basic income, yeah. I will tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your motivation for getting involved in UBI. Well, I've been fortunate to have a very wide career across manufacturing, construction, logistics, consulting um, at senior level, um, at board and director level. And um, I've seen a lot of um, business and um, a lot of, um, I guess, impacts of the way in which the modern economy works. And um, over the years, I felt that there's ways in which we could improve it. But with my work life, I never got much of a chance to, to delve in as deeply as I would have liked. But um, yeah. I'm now 72 and um, effectively retired and, and a couple of years ago I really started to look more closely at a concept I had been aware of for 40 years or more and um, that was the basic in universal basic income and um, I came across a group called Basic Income Australia and um, spent a few months there involved in Zoom meetings especially over the COVID period. Yep. And um, it was evident that there was a lot of discussion between the members um, you know, because it's difficult to get a consensus about what a UBI is and, and especially how it should be funded because there are many different viewpoints. And so um, I took upon the, myself the task, I said, if I was to write a policy, we could get everybody to vote on it. Neither it would be rejected and that would be fine if that's what they did or, or accepted. Yeah. Well, they um, voted on it and it has been accepted. And so that now forms the basis of the group's um, policy proposal and it's what I'm hoping to talk to you about yeah, today. Yeah, great. Mm -hmm. And I'm really interested to hear about what the group is, uh, wants to achieve. We'll chat, yeah. touch on that a bit later, but... Yep. I think for the, the layman out there, tell us yep. what really is a universal basic income. We're interested to, to okay. delve into that. As well, well. It, it's a pretty simple idea. It's that every single person as of right would get sufficient money um, to meet their basic needs via a weekly payment. And at the moment, uh, it's set at... Uh, around the Henderson poverty line, which is about 500 bucks a week for a single. And that is the target that we're aiming for. And you might be saying, well, that if that's what it is, we've got welfare, uh, why do we need, um, you know, a UBI? And um, so that's something that I'm hoping we can explore in this talk, yeah. Tim. So like a UBI, what you're really saying there is that it's a basic income that all, everyone yes. gets. Everyone gets. Regardless yeah. of whether yeah. they're on welfare, regardless of their income. Yeah. Gina Reinhardt every, gets it, you get it, I get it. Everybody gets it, right? And Everyone um, gets the $500. Everybody gets the 500 bucks a week. 
and that does raise a few questions in people's mind. We'll have me for 500 bucks a week, and we'll come to that in a minute. But I think yeah. we need to really understand why um, it's required, and it, it goes back to the dawn of history, really, because if you think about humanity, um, we're just like every other animal in, in that respect, that we lived off the land um, for countless generations. And then through the advent of property rights, money and paid work, yeah. um, we lost that birthright. And now we are the only species that require money to survive. And so um, it means that we have to ensure people receive money in order to live. Yeah. And the way we've solved that problem so far is with welfare. And, um, but nobody has done it, no country has done it effectively. And the reason is that welfare contains a trap. And um, the trap arises because it's perfectly rational for anyone to decide, well, as the welfare benefit goes up, to take the money instead of a low-paying job. I mean, yeah. It's nothing to do with laziness or anything. It's just perfectly rational. If I've got the opportunity to get this money for, quotes, not working, why should I spend my yeah. time doing a shitty low-paid job? So and is this, uh, this is what you call the poverty trap? The poverty and, trap. And I've heard even during this election campaign, yes. I think um, uh one of the politicians might have been the prime minister was yeah. accosted uh, in the in one of the places he went by yeah. someone saying I'm on a disability yeah. support yeah. and if I want to get a good job I get that taken away from me so I can't get ahead. Yeah, this is yeah. exactly what you're saying, isn't it? It's it's it is that, um, but it goes even deeper because. Um, what, while it's rational for the individual to want to take the benefit, it is also rational for the government to say, well, hang on, we need to keep benefits really low in order to, quotes, encourage, or probably a better word, force people to take the available work. Yeah. And we need workers, right? Or so discourage them from staying on welfare. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so we need it. workers and we need people to be motivated to work. So again, it is perfectly rational. But what's the, the problem is that that only works for 50% of the population, those people who can take on paid work. The other 50% of the population who are our young, um, old, incapacitated, they're unpaid carers, people who are between jobs, those people have no ability to access paid work while they are in that group and it's a never it's a constantly changing group so you know the young grow up the disabled age the age die and and the carers and the unemployed go back to work so the problem is that while you are in that group the only way you can get money is if you're lucky enough to have savings or family support yeah. otherwise you have to rely on welfare and charity so if the welfare benefit is set so low that it's below poverty levels, then you are forced into poverty, right? And yeah. until you can find, um, and, you know, until you're old enough to get paid work or your caring responsibilities cease or whatever it is, 
then you can get back into paid work. But until then, you are forced into poverty. And and what we're seeing is yeah. the outcome of that. We're we've ha- we're hearing all the time about stories you've you've mentioned to me uh, offline that some of the the types of people that are that's affecting in great numbers is single women with kids absolutely Old, older people disabled people yep. Yep. these are all people who we know are feeling the pinch in the absolutely. current in the current yep. world well it's so what you're describing is is just yep. reality isn't it it is for poverty is reality for about 3.2 million people in australia and that includes 17 percent of all children and yet in australia we have all the resources and systems necessary to meet people's basic needs so it's not a problem with the lack of resources and it's not a problem with a lack of money, right? We we create the money out of thin air and we won't go into all that story. It's a whole other issue. But we don't lack the money and we don't lack the resources. What we have is a system problem, right? Yeah. Not a moral problem, it's a system problem. And so the UBI is designed to correct that system problem by putting money into people's hands so that they can express their needs in the market. We should not have food lines in Australia. We should not have people needing to go to charities simply to yeah, survive. That's right. We've got a perfectly good distribution network called shops. The yeah. only thing that people lack is the money and that is bad for them and it's bad for business because um, there are needs that could be met by the supply chain that are not being met because mm. people don't have the money. And so it's, it's bad on all counts, socially, economically, uh, from, and the, from the individual's point of view. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm loving even just hearing what you're saying in more detail. Yeah. Um, I really loved reading that you sent me some points. Um, yeah. You re- recently published in an article yeah. And it outlined specifically what a, a UBI would provide. I, I thought these points were like extremely compelling. Right. And I think that you you would be hard pressed to meet someone, anyone in the street, anyone yeah. in the street and run through those points and say, would you not want that for our world? Yes, right. And so, <laughs> so yeah, tell us about those. Well, okay, there's a, we've identified about 59 key benefits that once the UBI is in, ought to be delivered. And, and these aren't just made up benefits. They arise out of many, many pilots that have been done over the years uh, which have demonstrated these benefits. And so... Uh, we see that there is a big need in order to eliminate systemic poverty. There are all these 59 benefits. And before I get into them, I just want to address the, the question that comes straight to people's minds. Well, hang on. If all these pilots have taken place and the benefits are demonstrable, why have we not got UBI in, in every country already? And, mm. and it really comes down to, and this took me a little while to really come to grips with, but it basically is people's concerns about the cost. How do you pay for it, right? Yes. And 
we probably won't have time to get into the nitty gritty, but we have developed a way that we can pay for it without increasing taxes or debt or taking money from other programs or increasing inflation. And while all that sounds like magic, um, we can in fact demonstrate that it is possible. Um, so if we just accept that it is possible to introduce this uh, as a, uh, yeah. a real system, well, what would it achieve for us, right? That yeah. was your question. Yeah. And I guess first and foremost is that it will eliminate systemic poverty. It won't eliminate all poverty. You still have people who are on drugs or, you know, um, suffering from alcoholism or gambling or whatever. Yeah. But those often are triggered by poverty itself. Yeah. Right? And so it's a, a self-reinforcing cycle and we can get rid of the systemic side of poverty. Um, it also provides a basic income insurance because the way we've structured it is that though everybody would get it, um, in order to reduce the um, net in impact on the economy, we're saying that, look, if you're earning you know, over 80 grand a year, you probably don't need the 500 right now. Yeah. We're going to pay it to you, but we are going to, through the tax system, recover that money, right? And below 80,000, you'll get to keep a portion of it until you're not earning anything, well, you get to kick the lot. But every yeah. week you are getting 500 bucks and then you're paying a, a portion of all of it back. Um, the reason why we want to do that is, A, it ensures that the payment is universal, so we're not getting different classes of yes. citizens. Everybody gets it. But then there's lots and lots of reasons why every day everybody, or not everybody, uh, at some point in their lives, people can lose their income, you yeah. know, their own ac accident, sickness, having to care for a, um, a relative, their business goes bust, they get the sack, all sorts of reasons. And if you are paying back that UBI out of your income, if you've got an income, if you no longer have an income, then there's nothing to pay back. So yeah. you just keep on getting your UBI every week. So it carries you through you don't have to apply for it. There's no delay. Um, it removes that immediate wow, that's a great, of, shit, yeah, lost my What am I going to do today, right? So it provides this basic income insurance. And I think and what is great about that as well, Mike, is, as you say, it's every Australian is getting yeah. that at the same level. Yes. So the word you use there, universal, yes. it's a universal floor, isn't it? Yeah, it is a floor. Yeah, it's a floor to stand on. It's not a ceiling to achievement. The people yeah. can earn as much as you like on top of it, but if you, for any reason, lose your ability to yeah. earn, bang, it, it's there. You know? and so the other thing too is that because it's targeted on a phase in from zero up to eighty grand, it means that the low-wage people will get a real and immediate net benefit. Mm. And it's a wage rise effectively without cost to employers, which means it removes the cost push side of a wage rise, right? So people get the benefit of a wage rise without the community bearing the cost. 
yep. of in prices. So it does that. It um, eliminates the poverty trap, as, as we said, because people can, uh, it's shown from around the world that once people have enough to live on, they are actually motivated to better themselves and their family. Um, and it shows that often people um, who don't increase their um, paid work yep. spend time looking after their family or taking on education. So it's, it's yeah. hardly a problem, right? Yep. Um, it underpins, in fact, lifelong learning because while people in sort of more senior positions or in certain companies can be given time off to go and study and so on, somebody in a low-paid job who's just getting by really can't even afford to take a few weeks to learn some new skill, yeah. certification yeah. on something. But if you're getting, and your wife or partner, so together you're getting a 1000 bucks a week, one of you can then say, well, look, I'm going to go and take this TAFE course for the next three months and I'll get my you know, qualification in whatever it is and through, do that throughout life. And so, Once again, because you've got the floor. You've got the floor. That's yeah. exactly right. I'm um, really interested in, the, in one of these because we, yeah. we see this a lot in our the work we do with people yeah. and also the work we do in aged care is yeah. for some people that, uh, forced, well, no, they're not forced, but they choose because their, their loved one really yeah. needs it yeah. to be a stay-at-home carer. Absolutely. And that is either for children, it could be for an old, they're, they're caring for their sister, they're caring for their mum, yeah. whatever it might be. Yeah. They're adding yeah. a lot of value back into the, the community or society, but they're not being rewarded for it. No. In fact, they're so being disadvantaged. Yeah, and so this would be a huge benefit, mostly for women, because they take the caring role, mostly, yeah. or, um, and not just for the disabled and the sick, but for our young kids. Yeah. They are the ones, too, who maintain our social bonds in mm. many ways. And so that is, taken together, all that is hugely valuable work that gets zero recognition financially. Financially, yeah which the UBI would. So for those people who are staying at home, they've got no other income, so they are getting the full benefit of the 500 bucks a week. And on the, the other side too, or the other aspect of that too, is it gives mostly women in financial independence so that if they are in an abusive relationship, they can actually afford to get out of it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that could make a huge difference in personal dynamics and, in fact, lead to less abuse because the abuser knows that their partner has an ability to flee. And, flee that's right. And also a lot of fine, uh, family violence comes out of financial stress. So right. if yeah. you remove that, there's, there's all sorts of positive things that can flow out of this yeah. thing. Yeah. For sure, and I think um, even the in the non-abusive situation with divorce and that sort of thing, yes, the that can also be a barrier to someone saying, "I really yeah. would like to have it. <laughs> don't want to yeah. be in anymore, but yeah. how would I support myself financially?" Yeah, yes, at least until you can get on your feet again, you know, you because otherwise 
people have thought, well, I've just got to go and live in the car, you know, what else? Yeah. I've got no income, I've, I'm lost, you know. And so it, uh, it'll make a huge, huge difference to the family dynamics. Yeah. Could in um, fact be supportive of family. Um, you know, some ways you might think, well, it allows families to break up more easily, but the fact that they can break up more easily might be, um, you know, might enable people to say, well, let's try and make this work then because now there's not one person who has the absolute control, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, And it'll prevent suicide because, again, financial stress is one of the biggest... um, drivers of, of suicide. Um, the studies show that when people have got enough to live on, it actually improves cognition and, uh, and behaviours um, better than um, if, you know, the equivalent between performance of when you're sober and when you're drunk. So that, you know, being in poverty is like being drunk all the time is it's in, on its impact on your um yeah, intellect and cognition, and so I think as well. You mentioned earlier the, you know, in some ways, in many ways, the welfare system does treat people like second-class citizens. So it this does. this starts yeah. to to be a something that builds on itself, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. It 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 helps with people's self-esteem, yeah, and it means that instead of doing Um, lots of activities to prove your entitlement, ticking boxes, applying for jobs you know you'll never get. That's enough to um, Um, stress anyone out. It's a terrible, terrible life. Um, And, um, you know, it means now that you can devote all your energies to doing what you know is important, whether that's looking after your family, doing some retraining, looking for a new job, you're doing it because you know that's in your interests, right? Yeah. It's You're not having to justify it to anybody and nobody can complain that you haven't got a job and you are getting this money because they're getting the money too. Everyone's right? getting it. Everyone's getting it. Mm. Um, so, and I did mention as well that UBI is not a silver bullet. Like we still yeah. need to ensure other universal... Um, supports there do you want to just chat about those i mean the ubi really only tackles the demand side so it puts money into the hands of people so they can express their unmet needs in the market right but that doesn't guarantee that the market is going to necessarily respond uh, and certainly not immediately uh, so the there is still a role for the government to ensure that there is adequate Um, housing, education, health and so on. And the more that the government provides those as a universal uh, right, the lower the UBI can be because you, you know, you either get it one way or the other. And so you either get it as money or you get it as the the goods or service. Um, But yes, it's definitely not a silver bullet, but it would still make a huge, huge difference in many of the ways that we do. Oh, no doubt. Mm. Um, I know that Basic Income Australia has, um, well, you've got a a timetable, haven't you, that you're working to, to really try and put this on the agenda for 
proper discussion yeah. and debate. Yeah, so I, I've started with the various political parties at the branch level um, and getting quite good interest um, as a, an idea and saying to them, look, we just would like to get it on the agenda for discussion. But our aim is to get one or more or all parties to adopt it as policy by the next election, so three years out, and to then have it implemented um, at the start of that new parliament, so yep. sort of 2025, and then take about five years to fully implement it. So one of the things that we haven't discussed, Tim, is how can we mitigate the risks involved in putting oh, in yes. transitional huge uh, you know, new policy? And the way that we've developed it is to say, look, the pilots that have been done universally have targeted um, small groups of people um, and paid them the full amount of the UBI and, and said, okay, what's the impact? And then people have looked at that and said, well, that's fine for this small group, but what if it was across the whole of society? We don't know how that's going to play out. And so we've taken the approach that um, rather than paying the full benefit to start, we should just pay everybody $10 a week. And people have said to me, you know, what the heck is $10 a week? You know, yeah. It's nothing, but if you're living in poverty, that is food for a day. Yeah. And so it's, it's material to the people who, uh, to whom it matters right from the start, but at 10 bucks a week, it's not, the world is not going to fall apart. The economy is not going to crash and yeah. you know, everything's not going to go into disarray. So, so it's we, a gradual... We can gradually increase it. It means that we can test the systems. We can make sure everybody's getting it who should be getting it. Um, nobody's double dipping while, while the amounts of money are on an individual basis, not too material, right? Yeah. And then gradually, once we know everything's working, we're suggesting that every quarter the rate would go up by 25 bucks a week. So after the first quarter, you'd be getting 45 bucks, right? Yeah. And then next quarter and so on. So that it would take five years on that basis to get up to the full 500 bucks a week, which would also have to be adjusted for inflation. But um, that has two major benefits. One is it gives the supply chain, and this is based on my own experience, a long experience in, in manufacturing and logistics, the supply chain needs time to adapt. Mm. And given that time, it will switch resources and bring on new resources to meet the new pattern of demand. To meet they the can plan demand. for it, can't they? They can plan for it and, and so on and do that without causing shortages that drive inflation, right? Yeah. So there really is no... Uh, no lack of resources or capacity to meet people's basic needs if we give the supply chain you know the opportunity to adapt that's one thing the other thing about doing it gradually is that we don't have to model or theorize about what might happen to the economy to people's behavior we can see it and yeah. so we expect that there are lots of good things of which only a few we've we've touched on in this talk 
but there are lots and lots of good things we expect to materialize and some bad things that people think might happen inflation uh, people might not want to work they might sit in their you know basements playing computer games right yeah. if the evidence is that the negatives start to outweigh the positives then we can halt the UBI at whatever level and look at, well, how do we countermeasure those mm. problems? One of the things is that while we might see um, adverse reactions during that time, we expect that mostly people will see the benefits and far from um, slowing down to countermeasure the adverse reactions, people will be clamouring to, to speed it yeah. up effectively and saying, look, why aren't we doing this quicker? So we think starting off gradually addresses a lot of the problems that people have had about the theory as to what might happen. You know, inflation, inflation might take off, the labour market might, you know, get yeah. too tight. Um, people might live in their basements, as I said. So um, all of that we can test by... Um, just gradually ramping it up and seeing what happens. Um, it sounds like, um, and I know you've mentioned to me that the group Basic Income Australia has a really diverse group of people yes. within it. And yes. that is obvious because you can tell that you've thought about all these different impacts and potential yeah. impacts and it, it just seems so well planned, well thought through. Yes, well, uh, I spent 18 months researching it too, Tim, from, um, because it has been you know, widely discussed um, um, you know, internationally and with, as I said, quite a lot of pilots. And it's really been a matter of trying to draw all those threads together into one document, which is what yeah. the policy document did. And um, it's helped to really crystallise what the essential elements need to be and, and what are the benefits that we will um, see out of it. So, um, yeah, it's been a fantastic exercise from my perspective and um, we're now, as I said, um, looking to get it into um, the um, various political parties yeah. as policy and... Um, if we can do that um, by the end of um, uh, the next parliament, um, we will see a huge change in, in Australia, I believe, in the following. Yeah, that's, it's, and, it's uh, a, so many of the aspects of it just make sense. Yes. And I think most people, um, some, even some of the points that you've raised today, and I know that <laughs> you mentioned this, 57 benefits yes. um, and 59 trying to go through all those but no. some of those ones that we didn't did talk about people are experiencing them either firsthand or close by yeah. someone at arm's length for them is going through that and so i think you can yeah. i would be surprised if if we couldn't all sense those yeah. some of those needs you know just within yeah. our own networks um yeah. I, I was interested when you were sort of talking about this it's probably looking back in the past, which maybe we don't want to do. We want to look in the future. But yeah. it just occurs to me that through this whole COVID, it's a bit of a loaded question because I know you were talking yeah. about this at the time in 2020. Yeah. 
Yes. Really, the 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 um, income was already there; it would have already been there, wouldn't it? So they wouldn't have had to have pushed more money out to the economy. That's right. And um, the the beauty of it is, is that if something um, even more dramatic, like COVID or a pandemic or worse, happens, um, while you have got the capacity to produce. If people don't have the money, then the producers, uh, businesses are going to yeah. collapse. And that's what happened in the Great Depression, right? People just, yeah. the, the, the businesses and everything were there and the resources were there to supply people's needs. But in the Great Depression, people didn't have the money, so they didn't get produced um, and people lost their jobs because the businesses weren't um, earning money. And so... There's a whole negative cycle um, mm. which can be cut short if people have the money. And then if we need to increase it quickly, everybody's getting it. So it's just a matter of tweaking the number. You don't have yeah. to suddenly worry about, well, how do we get it Registration to people? Registration and all that Registr sort of all that sort yeah. of just hugely simplifies how we might deal with natural disasters because... Once you're also registered, um, say there's a flood or something else where you think, well, people in this area, they do need more help to now get back on their feet than just the UBI. Okay, we'll give everybody in this geographic area an extra thousand bucks. Bang, you do it because you know where yeah. they are. They're registered. They get the extra money. Mm. And so um, there are just a whole lot of, um, you know, reasons as we said why yeah. this would be a, a game changer Tim yeah. and when you we talk about the political parties who you know they're probably all accused of being a bit slow yeah but in some ways the what they had to do through the pandemic might yeah. have opened their thinking to this so I'm guessing yes. well it, it's demonstrated to do that, it. <laughs> yeah it's, it's demonstrated that money is a tool right that We've had this idea in sort of drilled into us that, you know, you've got to be careful with your money and you can only spend what you earn and so on. Yeah. And that's true at an individual level. But at the level of a country, the country itself makes its own money, right? Mm -hmm. We create the money and we need to think about it using money as a tool to achieve the outcomes that we want. Now, the Chinese are bloody good at this, right? They say, ah, we need a high-speed rail network. Um, we're going to uh, use our money to signal to the supply chain, please deliver us this you know, high-speed rail network. And in 30 years, they've created more high-speed yeah. rail than the rest of the world combined, right? Yeah. And it doesn't matter what they've set their mind to, they've directed their money towards achieving the vision that they have and um, that channels the resources to deliver it, right? So it's basically been a market-driven um, uh, sort of creation of the infrastructure yeah. in China um, but directed using money as a tool and it's the same thing here. We can see money as a tool and we shouldn't see the UBI as government spending either because it's not spending by the government, it's spending no. by each individual person. So it really extends this whole idea of democracy from the political 
into the economic sphere because you then have equal right with everybody else to say to the market, this is what I want you to produce to meet my basic needs. And so whichever way you look at yeah, it yeah. is um, a tool that could you know, transform our, our view of really cool. No doubt. I know there's a lot of um, data you've got on this. You've got articles and you've got um, policy papers and all sorts of things. If someone was wanting to get more detail and and really understand in in depth, um, where could they go to find that? Well, I will give you the links. There's six articles which... um, on um, a site called Medium, which they're each about um, five or six minute read. Um, They're not too technical, but they will... We can share a couple of those too. Yes. So they um, explain in in a bit more detail and and probably a bit more coherently. No, uh, it's been great. I've put today and cover off every single one of the 59 benefits. They show how we can fund it, how we can implement it in, in a practical way. And um, yeah, I think um, the biggest mind shift that is occurring that will help this be delivered is how economists themselves are seeing money. So yes. there's still a big argument within economics about what is called monod modern monetary theory, which is the theory of how we produce money and and who should control the issue of it and so on. And there's a lot of economists who are traditional economists who are still dead set against rethinking the role of money. But it is changing. And um, I I did a podcast with a professional economist a few weeks ago who was quite anti a UBI, but at the end of our discussion, he sort of it's said, well, maybe it's worth thinking about, right? Yeah. Like, I haven't won the day, but it definitely is um, yeah, changing. The, the paradigm is changing, Tim, and the more we could get you know, people like yourself and your listeners yeah. to think about it seriously, read these articles, um, it's only about half an hour in total, um, and then start talking with your colleagues and your friends and your family, and you know, get it on the table. Yeah, I feel like this has got to come from both directions. You know, there's, there's the bookends. You've got yes. the economists and the government yeah. and the politicians at one end, yes. but I think we've seen on many issues in the last decade, especially people power is yeah. becoming very powerful. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, understanding it better, starting to understand the benefits and yeah. starting to ask the question of those groups about, well, what's stopping you? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, great. The other thing that's in our favour is that there's a, a group that's been in uh, like a glo- an international group um, called the Basic Income Earth Network, which has been started up, I think it was in the 90s, and every year they hold a global um, conference. And this year it's in Brisbane in September. And so I'll be speaking at the conference. Um, not sure yet whether it'll be in person or via Zoom, but yeah. um, 
it's a great opportunity as we get closer to that conference. Hopefully, we'll see more press about it. And um, again, that should trigger uh, a broader conversation. Awesome. Mm. Well, thanks, uh, Mike. That has been uh, a great chat. I mean, I know, I know I've followed a little bit of this and read bits along the way, but even just being yeah. able to sit with you and chat about it for 30, 40 minutes has been yeah. uh, fantastic. Well, thank you, Tim. And as I say, if I could um, urge your listeners to, uh, as I said, have a look at those um, articles and, and really start the conversation um, once you've got a little bit of understanding. Um, and I don't, I don't think people have to worry too much about a lot of the technicalities as, as to mm. simply focus on, look, this is what it is and this is what it will deliver. And then, okay, if there are obstacles, how do we overcome them? Yeah, right? that's right. Because it's not a matter of just saying, well, the obstacles too are hard. there, we can't do it, it's too hard. It's a question of saying, well, look, we want this to happen because of these things, how do we do it? Yeah. And um, so anyway, look, thank you, Tim. And Maybe uh, you should be running for parliament, Mike. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> And you're doing a fantastic job, i got to say, um, in what you're providing, Tim, and um, uh, congratulations to you. I, I really think you're doing a fantastic job. So. Oh, thanks, Mike. I know you, it's unbiased, of course. It is, yeah. <laughs> what, what, should we, what would you expect an uncle to say? <laughs> I, I don't have to say it, and I genuinely no. believe it, Tim. I, I, I really, appreciate it. People who want a, an ethical uh, advisor... Um, have scored in, in coming to you. So um, all the best. Thanks, Mike, and I agree. Same to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Ciao, Tim. If you're looking for a community of like-minded people who are going on a journey similar to you, then I invite you to join the Grass is Greener Facebook group where you'll connect, share and learn from other people just like you. Well, I really hope you enjoyed that chat. Uh, it's fascinating um, information and compelling information that Mike had there. It, it really does make you sit up and take notice. I've got some additional links I'm going to add into the back of this podcast. Um, Mike has been kind enough to give me uh, a number of resources for anyone that might want to read up on this a little bit more and understand it in, in a lot more detail because there is a lot of detail behind it. We had to really boil that down to just a, a short interview. So we just wanted to cover the key concepts. But um, it is, uh, if you've got that interest, I encourage you to go on those links and, and have a read. The information in this podcast is of a general nature and does not take into account your own financial objectives, circumstances and needs. You should consider your own personal situation and requirements before making any decision. If you have any concerns or questions, please contact me. That's the end of another show. Remember, the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. See you later.